This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have uh, Daryl Gaunt from LA County Sheriff's Canine. So I had a uh, last few episodes, if you guys were listening, I had LAPD's canine trainer on, Mike Goosby. And Mike and I talked a lot about different uh, things about their unit and how things work. And uh, a lot of the stuff that Mike talked about, um, I was very much in agreement with the tactics and stuff. Um, I reached out to Daryl um, because I know that LA County and LA City PD, they work a lot together. I'll let Daryl kind of explain you know, their uh, their relationship and how the, how much they work together. But when it comes to um, the final part of the apprehension and where you get into that, they do things a little bit different than what uh, Mike and I talked about on a previous episode. If you, if you look at the Mike Goosby episodes, you'll see it on there. And what I try to do on this podcast is I want to present a lot of different um, tactics. It's not um, in, in that podcast, if you listen to it, you'll hear that I, I'm in agreement with how Mike does it and how they do it there in L.A., and that was my experience when I was still a patrol dog handler. But that doesn't mean it's the only way to do it, obviously. So um, I know from looking at some social media that Daryl's pretty active on uh, some of the social media pages that I see uh, Mike on, too. Um, he presents a lot of different ideas, a wealth of experience. He, they, they also get in, involved in a lot of stuff. So um, without further ado, let me uh, introduce Daryl Gaunt. How are you today, Daryl? I'm good, sir. Thanks for having me on. Can you uh, kind of go over, you know, tell us about yourself and your career and let the listeners know a little bit about you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started uh, with dogs in uh, about 1978. My old man, my dad, was one of the original uh, Inglewood four canine handlers, the knuckle draggers. And if you guys don't know where Inglewood is, when you fly into LAX, that's a, that's, that's Inglewood. Yeah, it's south central LA. Nice, so nice little another, area. Uh, oh, yeah. Just just the trip, you know, the, the flower flower spot of the, of the state. Um but that's when I got involved in dogs is I was about 14 years old and they needed a decoy. So they gave me what we call a puppy sleeve now because we didn't have full bite suits. And they said, go find a place to hide inside the uh, city yard somewhere and we'll come find you. So that's how I got my introduction to canine. Uh, I ended up uh, joining the shooting club and did that for about two years before the military. I uh, went in the military for eight years. Uh, four of those were as a military dog handler overseas in Germany. I'm a patrol dog. And then when I got out, I joined the Sheriff's Department, uh, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. And that was in 91. And I'm still currently uh, signed to them for about 45 more days. I'm coming up on my retirement date. Um, I worked um, the jails, uh, then South Central L.A. for about seven years until I went to our Special Enforcement Bureau, which is our canine unit. Uh, we have a very um, specialized unit. We're, we're just basically like LAPD. When you go to K-9, that's a full-time gig. You're assigned to the SWAT team. The only difference is with my unit, you go to the SWAT side first for six months when you get hired as a K-9 guy. And after six months, SWAT takes you to all the tactics and either gives you the blessing or tells you, nope, go back to patrol, you're no good. Uh, if you get the blessing, you come to our side of the uh, shop on canine and I go get you a dog. And then for the next six to eight weeks, we train you up to be a dog handler. Let me, let me jump so, in there. Cause I, that's a, yeah. that's a, a nice way of doing it that I, 
I had not heard that before of sending them to SWAT first. And that was not my experience. You know, we worked with SWAT, um, but, you know, we were dog handlers and then there were SWAT guys in the, in the same unit, same right. building, same roll call, but we had different assignments. And I think I saw that you had posted that or you mentioned it to me before. And I think that's a, a really fantastic idea for for those of us that have been through on full-time teams, you know, that, that's all you do. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I haven't heard other, other places that do that, but I sure like the idea of, you know, like you say, let the, learn the tactics. Uh, I would imagine that down the road that really has to get rid of a lot of the riff between the two teams. If you've already done that's, six months. That's there. exactly, that's exactly what it does. I mean, we all know the headbutting between you yep. your SWAT or you're not. And, and I love my SWAT guys, but it's really nice to know, uh, that I've gone through the training with them. And then yeah. when I show up with a the dog, they're like, okay, it's Daryl. I know he knows his tactics. He's squared away, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it eliminates a lot of the headbutting we get there. Have you guys always gives... done that? No. So when I first got to the unit in uh, 2003, uh, we did, basically you were the FNG, you were the new guy on sure. K9. Um, and you went to every barricade, whether it was K9 related or not, it didn't matter. Uh, you were the equipment guard, you were the burn safe bitch, yeah. you cleaned up behind everybody, you made sure everything was done. So basically you were assigned to the SWAT side, but you didn't get all the training. Yeah. And then that went on for a couple months and then you, you learned through osmosis about what you need to do and where you need to be and what the SWAT guys need from you as a canine guy. Sure. Well then after a while we were, and that's, that worked pretty well for us to assimilate into the SWAT side. You know, they, they knew, you know, we weren't lazy guys are just like, yeah, yeah whatever, SWAT guy. Um, when we started this program, though, sending over, sending them over to SWAT, we really saw the integration really come together. Um, we're a lifetime unit also for uh, SWAT, K9, and also we have uh, a paramedic crew, an emergency services crew, which is part of our unit. Uh, to be the paramedics, you have to either come from SWAT or K9 and then test for paramedics. So all of our paramedics are actually in the stick with us. Nice. They're all prior SWAT or K9 guys, which means they're all prior SWAT guys. Um, and they're with us on every call. So the entire unit has been trained under the same umbrella, the same regiment, same everything. So we're all acting as one uh, cohesive unit. It works really well. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a, a really good way of doing things. I, and I had not heard that before. You know, I talked to you. I've heard different variations of it. But I'm, I think, too, that's got to really get rid of any rub of, you know, I mean, if, they, if the SWAT guys have signed off on the dog handler, then they should feel because uh, a lot of good dog handlers. But I think... Uh, Sometimes some of the SWAT guys, for whatever reason, don't trust them or don't feel like they've, you know, they've earned that spot. So, no, absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's nice. We're also a manpower pool. If we're the first one that shows sure. up, and it's a hostage situation, two canine guys and two SWAT guys can make a crisis entry. Yeah, yeah. It's not a canine guy standing there with his dog going, "Well, I'll hold the containment." Now we're we're part of the team, so we can go. Yeah. Now that being said, and this is what I teach my canine guys: you got to learn your role and you got to stay in your lane. The sure. very first SWAT guy that shows up, if you're sitting on the crisis entry, you step back a step yeah. and you let him go in front of you. And you keep getting pushed back because the way I look at it, I'm waiting for that fourth guy to show up on the crisis so I can go get my dog. Yeah, and then become part of the program. Is it hard on the yeah. dog guy? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I get that. That's that's good. Numbers-wise, uh, how many dog teams do you guys deploy in the patrol division? So we had 300 activations last year um, for SWAT. We had somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 or 500 actual canine activations, that being included with SWAT. Every time a SWAT team goes out, sure. uh, no matter what it is, 
uh, a dog, at least one dog goes with them, preferably two. Sure. Um, and then we are the only patrol dogs for our uh, department. So any burglary, grand theft auto, anything like that, we get called out to. We're the actual patrol dogs. Yeah. Ninety uh, percent of the time, uh, if a SWAT team is available, they will ask us if they want us if they want to um, if we want them as backup, which of course we do. Sure. You know what's what's not better than having a SWAT guy as your uh, backup team. Uh, but they yeah. don't always go on all of yeah. our calls, so sometimes we're out there just with uh, three three canine guys and a bunch of patrol guys. And how many dog teams do you guys have? Uh, Twelve dog teams for the county, which are just patrol dogs. And, and then, then our narco crew has their own narco dogs yeah. assigned into their bureau, explosive dogs. We've got a hazmat dog. We got more dogs than I shake the stick at. <laughs> and everybody's separate in their own lane, right? Yes. They're That's, all single purpose. Yeah. We've got like 20 bomb dogs that are assigned to our transit services, which are the uh, light rail trains yeah. that are in LA County. I mean, yeah, and then we've got all the venues, um, the arenas. With all the concerts and everything like that, yeah. that we're responsible for the Rose Bowl, we assist with. Yeah. When when we talked to, to Goosby, we'll kind of jump ahead a little bit. He said that you know you guys do work together. I think one of the differences is, um, you know, the city's kind of contained. The county, um, it's a massive amount of space, isn't it? I mean, you kind of overlay the city and go on different sides of it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we we have the whole county, obviously. Uh, we have participating agencies that have canine units here and there. But we're the ultimate um, agency. A lot of times for SWAT or canine calls, if it overwhelms the city's sure. resources, we'll step in and, and uh, assist them. Um, if LAPD has a very, very large search, or we have a very, very large search, we use each other also. Um, that, that goes the, with training with them and knowing those guys. That, that's got to make that fairly seamless when you guys are. Absolutely. Yeah. And the worst part with us is, and it's still, it's still to this day, I can't talk to the LAPD guys and they can't talk to us on our radios without, yeah, they have a special van that they've come up with that'll actually interlink the radio systems. But yeah, the the largest, largest sheriff's department, the second largest police department in the world, we're, we're across the street from each other and we got to yell. That is amazing. I didn't, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's a, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. So normally we'll stick one of their guys with us on our search team with the radio and we do opposite, but, but yeah, so, um, basically we search, um, the same way Mike's team does. Um, slow, methodic, uh, piece at a time. Yard to yard. Uh, lots of, lot, yeah, yard to yard, off leash. Lots of announcements prior to. I'm sure Mike went over all that. Yeah. Helicopter giving announcements. And, and you guys have a good air support unit, also. Uh, can you touch on that? Absolutely. So yeah, we have. Not only do we have, oh man, I think it's six full time uh, airships, helicopters. Uh, we have pretty much coverage. Not 24-7. I think the last bird goes down at like 4 in the morning and then comes back at a, up at 8. Yeah. But we always have pilots available. They're always there somewhere sure. that if something goes sideways, I can get. Yeah. We also have uh, a big, it's called a Puma. It's a like, huge thing of a big Huey. Um, that's our search and rescue ship. So if you ever see uh, LA County Sheriff's uh, rescue bird uh-huh. on the news or anything, that's our Puma bird. Oh, okay. That's actually assigned to us. Uh, we have paramedics on that full time, and that is how we uh, transport our SWAT team and canine units around the county on active shooters oh, or wow. deputy involved shootings or things like that. Because the traffic around here is yeah. so horrible that sometimes you know it'll take me three hours code three to get to a call. So you can jump in the helicopter and yeah. So if it's, yeah, if it's something hot, jump on the helicopter or they come pick us up and, and transported. Outstanding. So, One of the things that we talked with Mike about. Um, is resources and um, you're a resource rich 
department. I'm fortunate that I, we have a lot of resources in my department. Obviously, Mike does and stuff. But um, one of the things we talked about was that the you know tactics aren't dictated by resources. So no. um, your tactics. I mean, obviously, you take advantage of your resources. But you know, can you touch on that? That your tactics are still. I mean, they could work for somebody else, even if they don't have an airship overhead. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I teach uh, with my company, I teach all over the country and, and everyone, everyone kind of throws, you know, things at me from the, from the audience. When I start talking about, we have six yeah. bear cats, I have two bears, I have two airships, I have night vision and, you know, people start throwing stuff at me. Yeah. Okay. I got, you know, me, Bubba, a shotgun and, you know, Floyd. Yeah. So um, I talk about uh, blocking off with armor, like uh, vehicle barricades, block them off. Well, as I go around the country, I find, guys are thinking outside the box. I had one guy up in Northern California who had talked to a buddy of his at Caltrans and they have these big snow machines, these big snow plows that you see yeah. you know, up on the freeway with those big um, yeah. shovels in front of them. Yeah. He goes, yeah, we had a barricade. So I use that as a piece of armor. I put that up in front of the car. That guy's not going Perfect. anywhere. He can't shoot through it. And I'm like, yeah. what a great idea. Yeah. Fill it up with sand. Another, and it's probably, probably better than a bear cat. Ab- absolutely. Another guy used a, uh, the back end of a fire truck. He had the fire guys back up fire truck up to pin it. I'm like, those are awesome ideas. So I started thinking about things like that because, like you said, the tactics don't change just because of your 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 exactly. gizmos or your or your technology. What did on that you, deal on the fire truck when they backed it up? What did they do when it became dinner time with the firemen? Oh right, never mind. Never mind. Just <laughs> well, that, that that's the best part is. Can you imagine the fire the firemen letting a cop yeah. actually back that up? Come yeah, on, because they with their toy, they're not going to miss dinner <laughs> over that. So they're still. <laughs> but uh, no, I've had I've had guys talk about using school buses. Sure, you know all kinds of stuff. Yeah, preferably with the kids off first. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's dangerous sometimes going to school, but. Yeah, but um, uh, one of the things that um, I always tell guys is everybody has armored cars for banks. Yep. Everybody has armored cars everywhere. Yep. Get with your local manager of an armored car company, buy them dinner, get a 24-hour contact number. Hey, dude, I need to borrow two, two of your armored vehicles. Just in case. And yep. those, are, those are all things I teach a, a, a tactical area search class, and that's what I teach is that plan this out long before that incident happens, long before oh, you've yeah. got a a cop who's been shot and killed, you know, in the middle of your city, be ready for that, you know, by having Absolutely. all those resources. So I just wanted to touch base on that. Cause I know, you know, as we mentioned all the stuff you have, sometimes, you know, we'll hear next that, uh, well, that works for them, but tactics are tactics yep. and they, they yep. work it's for all everybody. It's just a matter of, yep. you know, some of us have a few more tools, but good tactics are always good tactics as well. Well, it's the same thing. A lot of, a lot of the smaller agencies go, well, we don't have a SWAT team. I go, you know, the only difference between SWAT and a regular patrolman, right? Is. Air product of bicep curls. <laughs> exactly. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah. And training. Yeah. So all, all my patrol guys or all my uh, smaller engines, I tell them, why not go to your SWAT guys and go, hey, I've got some off time. Show me how to do movement. Tell me how to do this. Yeah. Because there's no difference between me as a patrolman searching for a guy in a backyard or the SWAT guy searching. Yep. We're all no. cops. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We're all looking for the same bad guys. So one of the big things that we talked a lot about with Mike is I think uh, from talking to you and I, I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, we talked a lot in um, with uh, Mike about how they were, did their yard to yard searches. And I know it ends up being the same with you. And then there's one big difference and it comes at that point of when the, you're, you're in the yard and the dog now makes contact with the person. Right. What, what Mike talked about and what quite frankly, the, the side of the fence I'm on is, um, you know, ordering the dog back, ordering the guy out, taking, you know, taking your time, cuffing him up with the dog off him. I know you guys do things different. And that's, that was the, the big thing I wanted to bring you on it, right after we did the other show 
just to present lots of different ideas. And there's no right sure. or wrong way to do it as long as you have a plan and as long as you're training to do it a certain way and you, you have your reasoning behind it. So if I know you guys, you know, you, you get a lot of uh, apprehension. So I wanted to come to, you know, what I would consider, you know, the some of the experts in the field on that side of the fence of this thing. So walk us through, you know, you're on a, you know, kind of maybe outline what the team looks like that you're with, you know, the dog handler and then what your support team is. And then if you can just kind of tell me, you know, what do you do at, when the dog makes contact? Say, you know, the, the scenario is you're in a someone's backyard, a crappy backyard with a lot of junk in it, and the guy's on the other side of the yard under, you know, a pile of bushes and debris and stuff, and you're, you're back behind cover. Can you tell me how you would handle that? And, and again, you yeah, know, what the team looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So normally uh, I have between a four- and five-man team back up with me and the handler. If, uh, if it's a newer handler... I always am in his back pocket. So basically I'm not even part of the team. All I am is his little conscience whispering in his ear, do this, do this, think about this, think about that. My biggest thing with new guys is if contact is there, don't scream across at the dog, become reassuring. You need to worry about being a dog handler first. Let everybody else do things. Many you guys all want to open gates and talk to people at the front door and everything else. I'm like, that's not your job. Your yep. job's handling the dog. So out of a four or five man search team, I always have one radio man. I have, uh, usually I like to be uh, on a shotgun if I'm part of the search team. And then we all have M4s or MP5s and it's dealer's choice on that. Uh, We have one person who makes contact. In other words, goes up and does door knocks. It's the same guy every time. That way it's consistent. We know exactly what he asked and we know exactly what uh, he's going to tell us. Sure. Some guys have different styles. Uh, Some guys ask the, the questions the exact right way because they've already been through bad things like, I don't ask, do you have dogs in the backyard anymore? I ask, do you have any animals? Because yeah. <laughs> I asked dogs one time and sent the dog around the corner and it mauled the goat. <laughs> and when we came back, we go, why didn't you tell me about the goat? Oh, you didn't ask about the goat. You, you asked dogs. about dogs. <laughs> yeah, I guess in so, a county, you might run into some weird stuff. Dude, I've had llamas. <laughs> I've had camels. I've had alligators. You, you name it. We, yeah. You can't make this stuff up. Man. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, I made the mistake of asking, does anybody live in the back? I said, nope. Okay. Told my partner, good to go. Send the dog around. We hear a guy yelling, screaming, mi madre, mi madre, which we're like, yeah. okay, we're looking for a black guy who's not Cuban. Yeah. So <laughs> that may be a problem because yeah. that sounds like a Mexican dude. So we go running back there. Turns out the guy was in a sleeping bag and the dog never made contact. So I asked the homeowner, I go, hey, why didn't you tell me there was someone back there? I asked you if anybody lived back there. And he goes, oh, he doesn't live back there. He just sleeps back there at night. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. So we had to be very, very careful oh, yeah. with our door knocks in, in yeah. our context. We yeah. really don't need an accidental exactly. for us because we're all awfully searching 90% of the time. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so that's our cover team. Um, we do door knocks. Um, depending on the suspect we're looking for, we might do a front yard search prior to doing the door knocks. I can't tell you how many suspects I found sure. sitting next to the front door in bushes. Sure. Um, obviously, for a grand theft auto, I'm not going to do that because of the liability of yeah. you know every every homeowner is looking out because they know we're there. Yeah. yeah. And they see me come to to the front of the sidewalk and they step out. Yep. And the dogs leave. So, but if if this is a guy that's been throwing shots at us, then yeah, we'll we'll sweep the front first before we make a contact. We'll do our door knock, ask our questions. Uh, we'll do uh, a quick sweep down the side, uh, send the dog down. I don't like dogs breaking that corner uh, without getting a visual because yeah. homeowners always want to come out and help oh, yeah. and open sheds and all yep. kinds of stuff. Um, but then again, 
depending on our suspect. We always look at our dogs as a locating tool and we're looking for time and distance. Yep. I do not want to be eight feet from the guy when my dog finds him. Yep. I want to be 80 feet. Exactly. That makes it safer for us, safer for him, safer for everybody. So once we can get around the corner, we launch dog into the backyard, uh, bring him back over, and then we'll go in a hand search. We never double, or we never trust the dog and not double check, obviously, yeah. everybody. Um, once the dog makes contact, we all drop back to a position of cover immediately, and then we start ordering the suspect to come out to the open so we can see him. Okay. Um, most of the time, they always say the same thing. I can't. And it's a standard answer I give them. Well, you better because that dog's not coming off until you, I can see you. And then all of a sudden they get very motivated sure. and they pull themselves out in the open. Again, depending on the suspect and the train and everything else, yeah. most of the things that we're looking for, because our search criteria is, is um, much higher than Mike's. Yeah. Uh, they're fine and bark. They can deploy on a lot of things that I can't. Um, I can't deploy on a burglary suspect that some, um, well, first of all, I can't deploy on a burglary suspect from a, a detached structure, like okay. a shed, something yeah. like that. That's a no go for us or a vehicle burg. That's a no go for us. Has to be a house or something like that. Um, I have to have someone who can actually visibly place him inside the, the location. So no yeah. broken glass in the backyard. I come around, he jumps the fence. That's no go for us. Yeah. So, so by the uh, time I, your dog is attached to somebody, you know you've got a, a serious yeah, crime. It, it's a serious felony. It's, sure. it's, it's a dangerous suspect, and we can articulate, which is another reason why Mike and I's um, tactics from here change. Uh-huh. Mike's got to articulate a little bit different than I do. Yeah. Me, I can articulate. I've, I've given this guy every chance in the world for an hour and a half to give up. He's an armed suspect. He's a dangerous community and society. He's such a danger that I had to bring a SWAT team with me to find him. And now I'm not going to take the chance of walking into him. So I'm going to bring him to us. Uh-huh. So we all go to cover. We tell him to come out to the open where we can see him. Uh, again, depending on the location and everything else, I'm not going to make him drag a dog 80 yeah. you know, yards across an open grass field when he's in his underwear. Sure. In that in that case or scenario, we'll move up on him as long as it's a single suspect. Yeah. Uh, multiple suspects, I don't care. We'll make him come and drag him all the way up. Um. One suspect comes up to us to a place where we can uh, comfortably and safely make contact with them without um, causing a, uh, any more problems for us. Then we'll move up uh, while the dog is still on. Someone will make physical contact with the suspect. Um, we will designate one lethal, two hands-on. Uh, and this is usually done as the suspect's still coming towards sure, us. Sure. Start talking to the teammates. And yes. That's, when I'm in the new guy's ear, I'm like, hey, start designating your hands-on, start designating your lethal, because yeah. the canine handler is responsible for everything. Yep. You've got to run that show. So you give your lethal guy, hey, you're lethal, I need two hands-on. Uh, they go up, they grab the suspect. Once they grab the suspect, our handler comes up, uh, strong outs the dog, tells, gives him a verbal out, pops him off, moves him back, steps back three or four feet, leaves him in play in case we need him. Sure. Um, and then the suspect's taken into custody. So it's not, I mean, it is different. I mean, cause you're not calling the dog back off. Um, but what I tell you, what I like when the way you describe it is when you, and you, you know, you're on some of the same social media that I am and you read all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I think you would agree that there's a lot of people who are advocating that, uh, as soon as the dog makes contact and I see it on videos all the time of then the handler runs and the team runs right over and straddles over the top of the dude right oh, yeah. where he was found. And yep. that, that makes absolutely no sense to me. 
No, running your death. Yeah. Yeah, you the dog. You're, you're chasing the dog, and your dog's dictating all the tactics there. Well, yeah. here's here's the thing. I always ask guys that 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 do that. I go, Have you ever been bitten by your dog? And yeah. Most people say yes. Okay. Did it disable you completely? Were you were you like put in the hospital exactly. for six months? Could you not breathe yeah. anymore? Could you not fight back? Yeah. Like, no, I was fighting like crazy. I go, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just because they're bit doesn't make them disabled. So I guess if people have listened to both of these shows. I hope that what they take away is have a plan and the plan should not be run over to where the dog is at. And oh I mean, no. I, and and, the, I and I'll tell you what, I, I, I love Mike's uh, tactics. I, uh, there's nothing I can say bad about uh, LAPD's tactics and what they do. LAPD actually, we all used to be the same till about 25 years ago when, and LAPD went under a consent yeah. decree. When that happened, our sheriff, even though we weren't under it, decided to go the same way as LAPD. And we went to find and bark that lasted about six months. And then they made the decision with County council to step back away to our original find and find and bite and go our own way with it. Sure. So otherwise, if, if that wouldn't have happened 25 years ago, I would be doing the exact same yeah. tactics. Mike is, I mean, that's yeah. just, you know, department policy. There's, yeah. there's no argument of back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he does an outstanding job of doing it safely. And those guys are, are super, super tactical. Well, and I think the way you describe it, I, I mean, that seems extremely tactical. Uh, um, I've just always been leery that how much people are going to be able to, to walk a dog over to you and bring him to you. But your experience tells says otherwise. So, I'm, I'm t- so I've been doing it. Uh, I'll be coming up on 19 years now for the sheriff's department plus the other military and everything else. And yeah. I've had over... Personally, my own dog over probably uh, around 150 bites with my own dog, yeah. not to mention all other yeah, dogs. Sure. I've only seen three guys since I've been there that couldn't physically bring the dog to us. Okay. Two of them have been broken arms, broken legs, yeah. things like that. And one of them was trapped underneath the house. And if you know what a Chinese puzzle is, like when you pull your finger, it gets yeah. tired. <laughs> yeah. He was like that with all the cables yeah. that were underneath. And the dog was pulling them. And the more he pulled them, the tighter the cables got. And we actually had to use a verbal out, which, you know, everyone goes, oh, you don't need a verbal out. Yeah, you need a yes, verbal you out. <laughs> you always need one. And that's that's another pet peeve of mine. So mine too. I don't care. We, we do strong outs on 99% of our suspects, but all of our dogs have a verbal out. A reliable, a reliable verbal out. Yeah. A reliable verbal out. Yeah. So you're probably the same as me, whichever side of this fence on that final moment that you're on. Uh, when you see that stuff on social media of guys saying that, you know, they, they don't even think a dog should out or they don't think a dog can out on the street. I don't, oh, no. I don't believe that either. I'll give you a perfect example. So we used to years ago on vehicle barricades, we used to do what's called a vehicle assault. You throw the dog in and then all of us would run up like you talked about yeah. and, and mug the guy. Yeah. We've stopped doing that. Now we'll, we'll uh, barricade uh, posture. We'll put armor in front of them. We'll drive him out of the car, either with gas or water hose or whatever we can. But if we do launch a dog, he's on a long line on a harness, and we pull him back all the way back to behind us, behind cover, behind the PRV. Sure. That's our standard operating system. Well, the other day we had a, and it was on the news. Uh, a lot of people saw it and called me and go, hey, what happened? Your dog uh, let go in the middle of the bike. He didn't let go. What it was, was we needed distraction on the passenger side, uh, the way the car was set up in and the articulation where the suspect was, where the SWAT team was moving up on the left-hand side. Uh-huh. So we launched the dog on the right-hand side. Dog went in the window. Dog started biting the guy. That gave the team time to move up 
because we thought he had a fake gun, but we weren't thousand percent sure. Yeah. And after eight hours, we're like, okay, someone's got to go up yeah. there finally. So we didn't want to just ha- walk up there with SWAT guys. So, and we wanted the dog out of the way in case it did go sideways. So once the dog was in the right-hand side of the car, five, 10 seconds, distracting the guy, team moved up to the position where they could actually uh, deal with the guy, handler verbal out of the dog, and dog still on a long line, and the dog jumped back out of the window, came back towards the handler when the team grabbed the guy. Sure. Get the, so, dog, get the dog out of the picture at that point. Yeah, get him out of the way because the team needed to have a clear view of, yeah. of the gun, what was going on, and everything. Sure. So the dog was no longer um, asset. He was now a liability, which yeah. is huge with us. It's all risk versus reward and asset versus liability. Yeah. One, of my, one of my best feelings is when we're given a training class. So every Monday is our training day and SWAT's there and everybody. And you set up a scenario. So there's a couple main trainers uh, at our unit, but everybody's basically a trainer. Sure. So uh, this week you've got building search and I'll assign, you know, Hey, you got building search next week. You've got area next week. You've got vehicle. So every handler has a chance to set up training, be the logistical support and all that. So when they set these scenarios up, I love when they set it up and they tell SWAT, okay, this is your scenario. And the first thing they ask for is a dog. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that makes me feel good because yeah. we have become such a valuable asset to them. That's the first thing on their mind. Yeah. And then they get mad at us when we go, sorry, dog, no dogs available. Uh, that we're all handling something on the other side of the yeah. city. And they look at us like, really? You're not going to give me a dog. You're going to maybe go in here and find this guy with a gun all by myself without the dog. Yep. And it makes me feel good that Absolutely. we've become that much of an asset for him. Yeah, so. you're, you're very much part of the team. So that's great. I think uh, in the future, like I was trying to keep these uh, about 20, 30 minutes. Sure. We're getting up on a break here. But in the future, I would like to get you back on here and let's talk some more about some of the, the different training that you've done because – you guys are uh, leaps and bounds ahead if, if, of a lot of things, but definitely um, the relationship you guys have with your SWAT team sounds like it's uh, you know going very, very well. And I'd like to talk more about just some of your your training you do with them, some of the dog Absolutely, specific stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if anybody can learn on. off of the mistakes, because that's, that's how we Absolutely. learn. Everything we've learned, we've, we've screwed up somewhere and thank God no one's died. And we went, okay, let's, let's make that better. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I, I appreciate, uh, like I see you on uh some of the social media discussions and I sure appreciate, uh, you know, that you jump on there with an open mind. You know, you see some guys throw a few, uh, sideways comments every once in a while at different people. (laughs) And uh, you know, no, that, uh, they never go sideways like that. You know, you just kind of throw it out there. And I mean, I sure appreciate some of the guys who like, you know, that have been around for a while sharing some of the good and the bad and, and some ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. So keep up the good work. Yeah. That's all. That's all. Keeping everybody safe. Make sure everybody goes out goes home with the same amount of holes we start with exactly yeah i've been doing this a long time and i learned something new all the time from doing these and reading and meeting people and stuff so i sure sure appreciate it so thanks for the time daryl um absolutely sir we'll, we'll be doing this some uh, some more soon and if it's all right i'll put your contact information in the show notes there so if anybody absolutely. wants to reach out to daryl uh, his email will be in the show notes for the show i'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you more and uh, oh definitely yeah put you can actually put uh, my my cell phone out there too. It's a twenty four seven cell phone. Guys, don't believe me, but they'll call me and I'll answer it. Okay, well, I'll put so, them, yeah, put that, them both on, that on the website. Yeah, I will. So we'll get all that on the show notes. So check the show notes. You'll have some more information on Daryl. And again, Daryl, thanks a lot. And uh, I know you just had knee surgery, so I hope you uh, heal up and feeling better real soon. Oh yeah, I will be. Thanks. Thanks. I right, be safe.
If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training, or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.